Welcome to the Better Modesto Show. I'm your host, Chris Rickey. I'm also a city council person here in Modesto's District 3. My co-host is Jim Applegate. Jim's not here with us today. He's uh, on sabbatical right now, but we're going to get him back soon. Boy, I tell you, beautiful Saturday morning here in Modesto, California. What a week it's been. Olympics going on. That's been pretty great. Um, I'm also a huge soccer fan, so we got the Gold Cup going. The United States qualified for the quarterfinals this week, so that's pretty cool. We're playing Jamaica on Sunday at 7 o'clock, so I'm really looking forward to that. But this week we're going to try something a little different. Normally on the Better Modesto show, we have lots of guests, and we have a bunch of great guests scheduled coming up. Um, we've got uh, Mayor of Modesto coming in that's going to do our show. We also are going to be uh, interviewing um, our state senator, Heath Flora, in a couple weeks. It's going to be pretty exciting. But in the kind of the meantime, I wanted to talk a little bit, just take some time with you and talk about what's going on in the city of Modesto, what we're working on, um, and how we're trying to make the city better every day. And as a city council person, I get a lot of phone calls from a lot of constituents every single day. Um, and they all have, not, not all of them, but many of the calls are similar. And so we're able to kind of index all those calls and kind of address the, uh, you know, the problems as they come up. And so let's, let's start off this first segment. Let's talk about the first top three problems that I'm seeing um, us us having right now in my district of the city, um, but I think it reflects kind of a lot of districts too, not just mine. But um, I'd say the number one call I get is trees, regarding trees, dead trees, limbs falling, uh, roots, you know, impeding sewer lines. Um, I need my tree removed. I need a new tree planted. Like there's been an incredible amount of issues with trees. I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, the second call I get is um, in regards to homeless. Homeless, you know, doing X, Y, or Z in the park. Homeless doing, you know, um, impeding a business, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I get a lot of calls about homelessness. And the third call actually kind of surprises me that I keep getting this one so much, but it is... I'm having trouble finding a place to live. And that really, that is not one that I expected. I mean, I knew that, you know, housing was an issue in Modesto. I had no idea how incredibly bad it is. So we'll, um, we'll be talking about that a little bit today. But let's start off and talk about the call that I've got the most feedback on, especially recently, which is our city trees. And let's start out talking about how do we get here in the first place? Um, so our city trees were planted originally, um, around 1940 in the 40s, um, because Modesto wanted to be a, a tree city and we succeeded. We planted a whole bunch of trees and the city owns all those trees. Um, pretty much, especially in the older neighborhoods, there's at least one city tree on every property. Um, uh, and in a lot of ways, it really was successful. I mean, when you drive through like La Loma or you drive through uh, the college neighborhood um, or you're over in uh, Woodland West, like there are some really 
gorgeous neighborhoods that have incredible urban canopies. Um, really, really beautiful. But unfortunately, lots of things happened uh, that have made our trees from being a real asset to kind of being a huge liability and suffering from some pretty epidemic level problems. Um, the first issue is that all the trees really were planted at the same time. Anyway, trees have a lifespan. And so when you plant all the trees at the same time, there is a real possibility that all the trees also will die at the same time. And we're seeing a lot of that right now, now that these trees, though they're all the Menesto ash, are all kind of reaching the end of their, of their life. And so we're having a lot of challenges based on the fact that these trees are all dying at the same time. The second issue is actually closely related to the first in that because we planted the majority of our trees are all Modesto ash, that's what's called a monoculture. And when you have all the trees of the same species, they're going to suffer all the same diseases. And if a disease that's really damaging comes through, it's going to affect most, if not all, of those same trees. And it's going to spread like wildfire because they're all connected. And that is what happened um, when we got you know, mistletoe. Um, the mistletoe came in and it spread from tree to tree to tree. And it's caused major damage. It's killed a lot of trees. And it's going to take you know, many, many years for us to undo all the damage. To magnify on top of that, uh, I'm sure most, if not all of you, remember the Great Recession that hit after um, the two eight real, 2008 real estate crash and the impact that that crash had on our city budget was incredibly drastic. It cut some of our budgets by over 30%, and one of the places that got hit the hardest was the forestry department. And as a result of that, a whole bunch of tree maintenance was deferred for many, many years. And so when you add, you know, the fact that we planted all the trees at the same time with the lifespan, we monocultured the mistletoe has been nailing us, and then we had to defer maintenance, we have found ourselves in kind of a tree Bermuda Triangle here in Modesto. So what are we, the city, doing about it? Uh, the first thing that we did is we talked about it and we acknowledged that this was a problem. We were fortunate to get some uh, ARPA funding from the federal government, and we were ecstatic that we were able to put some of that money towards trees. And as a result, the ARPA money this year and next year, we're going to be doing a ton of tree work um, to try to catch up. Now, the city owns over 100,000 trees. With the money that we've set aside so far, we can probably get, you know, between 10 and 20% of the trees to the level they need to be at. Continue to create new plans for, for maintenance, you know, in future years. But we're going to get a really good, you know, we're making a really good foothold here and we're going to be addressing um, a lot of the problems out there with the trees. And the vision is to take Modesto from a city that, you know, is a tree city but has a bunch of dying Modesto ashes to a tree city that's got a variety of mistletoe-resistant uh, 
trees that are all of different species with different strengths and weaknesses. So if, if there is another epidemic fungus or something that comes around or a beetle or whatever, um, that we don't lose all the trees at the same time again. <laughs> so um, we've got a good plan. I feel good about it. And I really hope that uh, we are fortunate in the budget process that we can find, you know, money that we need to keep the forest service as strong as it can and that's kind of where you come in as the as the citizens of modesto if this if making sure our trees are as important as i think they are based on the the dozens of calls i get every week about please fix my tree um, it's just important that when budgets come up you know in september october december January, when we're talking about budgets, that you guys are out there at council meetings say, hey, make sure to fund the trees. That would be really helpful. That's that's really how our local government works. It, we really listen to citizen uh, citizen feedback and what, what everybody wants. That's what we try to do. So when we come back, we're going to take a quick break here on the Better Modesto show. But when we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit about the second thing on the list, which is also been something that's plaguing Modesto for many, many years. Um, the homeless issues that we've been having here in Modesto. Um, thanks for listening in to the Better Modesto Show here on KFIV Power Talk 1368 AM and on your Radio app. My co-host is Jim Applegate. Um, again, when we come back from the bait, we're going to talk about uh, some homeless issues here in Modesto on the Better Modesto Show. Welcome back to the Better Modesto Show here on Power Talk 1360 AM KFIV or on your iHeartRadio app in your pocket anytime you can listen to Power Talk right on your phone. Um, I'm your host, Chris Rickey. I'm also the city council person representing Modesto's District 3. My co-host is Jim Applegate. Jim can't be with us this week, but we're looking forward to getting Jim back soon. And for this week here on Better Modesto, doing things a little differently. Um, I just wanted to kind of give a council update kind of based on the things that I'm seeing um, that are challenging the city of modesto and i just want to get it out there and talk to you all about what the problems are what we're trying to do where we're succeeding maybe where we need some help and hopefully um hear from you guys you know at a council meeting about what you guys think about what's going on um in our city but we're talking about the top three calls that i got uh that i've been getting uh here at city hall uh, the first one was trees. We talked about that in the last segment. I think we're making some real progress on trees. Um, the second issue that I've been getting calls about is homeless issues. And the third issue is um, affordable housing. Constituents calling me saying they can't find a place to live. But here in this state, in this uh, segment, we're going to be talking a little bit about homelessness here in Modesto. And homelessness has been on the rise over the last few years. Over in the last homeless census, we had over 2,100 people that were homeless, and about half of them are what we call unhoused, meaning they're not staying in shelters and they're not, they're just kind of living on the streets, um, which is really tragic. 
it's really tragic for our community and it's a real strain um not only on the citizens of the city but also on all of our services that are trying to to help these people um homelessness is a very it's a complicated issue um it's there's not just you can't just wave a magic wand or come up with one solution um to to kind of solve the problem um there are a lot of different like the, the way i kind of equate the homeless problem is it's like it's like a large pie and if you cut up that pie in 50 pieces each piece has a different kind of person that has different kinds of challenges that require a different kind of rubric of solutions to get that person off the streets like some ex examples of that are like you have alcoholics that are on the streets because they're alcoholics or um, people that are suffering from mental illness or uh, people that are, you know, on methamphetamine or suffering from, you know, heroin addiction or other substance abuse problems. You've got people that just can't afford their rent or can't find a job or seniors that are, you know, on Social Security and can't find um, housing that they can pay rent. That's just some of the examples of the kinds of problems that, you know, that the homeless suffer from. And you can't, it's very difficult. I and mean, you can, but it's, again, very, very difficult to manage when you put, like, let's say those homeless seniors that can't find a place to live because they're on a fixed income. You try to put those with someone in the same facility as someone who has, you know, schizophrenia in the same facility as someone that has, um, methamphetamine addiction and you can see how this could be um, a really serious management uh, problem and just a really just unpleasant place for people to be you know? and so that's why um, the city and the county working together are trying to come up with different solutions uh, to try to get as many people off the streets um, as possible and so the way the system kind of works is there's three kinds of housing. There's the first tier housing, second tier, which is transitional housing, and then third tier, which is essentially market rate housing. And in the first tier, our goal is just get people off the streets immediately as much as we can. Well, the second tier is kind of these people have gone through some programs, they're making some progress, um, and they're really they're all well on their road um, to getting out of homelessness. And then they graduate um, from the transitional um, into, the, into the regular housing. Um, right now, the first tier, first tier um, has a bunch of facilities similar to like the Gospel Mission, Bavarian Shelter, stuff like that. And that, those facilities are handling about half of the, the homeless cases, but they're not working 100%. They're not 100% solving the problems. Now, that's not a criticism necessarily of what they're doing, but it's just a fact. They're not able to handle every single case that we have out there right now. The second tier's problem, biggest problem, is that we just don't have enough of it. So that's something we need to work on. And the third tier, is the same problem as the second tier. There's not enough regular housing out there, which is actually pushing people that definitely shouldn't be homeless and turning them into, 
into homeless. With the fierce tier, some people have a problem with not wanting to maybe follow some of the rules that that facility has, or they don't want to turn off the lights at a certain time, or a myriad of other, you know, potential conflicts that a person might have about not wanting to be in, you know, a place that gives them, you know, heat and air conditioning and a roof over their head and a place to sleep. Um, but for some people, that's not really what what's important to them, you know. And so we can sit here and criticize people for having, like, hey, you should be thankful that you have this option. That's true. A lot of people would feel that way. But other people... The you know, people that are actually in there may not feel that way. And so we have to find solutions that are going to work for everyone. As I talked about, all the different pieces of the pie, we have to find solutions that are going to work for all the different pieces of the pie. And I was talking to the sheriff last week on this show, and he talked about, um, you know, maybe opening up some campgrounds that could potentially um, house homeless. And I think... That is a really good idea, um, and I think it's something that we should definitely explore, and I'm really supportive of it. I mean, it's going to have to have some organization and some rules and some skin in the game and some different, you know, different rules to make the thing work. But we're not the only people that, that have thought of this idea. There's other people that are other cities. I shouldn't say people. There's other, other cities out there doing the same thing, um, and it's working. And they are doing other strategies like safe parking, for example, that are also been, you know, that have also been really, really successful. In terms of increasing second tier housing, uh, the city is looking at other options to do things like what we've already done at the Kansas House. At the Kansas House, uh, there was a an old hotel purchased. And they were able to plug in a program that's been really successful in giving people a place to live and a place to start out, you know, kind of a new, more successful life. And it's, it's really, really worked. And so as a result of that kind of success story, the city is looking to expand that program into other, um, into other facilities. And if we're able to do that, I think it's going to be a very exciting um, time. And we're going to see more people off the street. And that's what it's all about. And on the third tier level, um, we did just complete um, the Archway Commons project, which added another nearly 100 units um, to our city supply, which is great. Unfortunately, we are about 20,000 units down. So that's, that's we're, not, we're not anywhere near where we need to be. But my hope is that we can keep exploring and keep, you know, keep just, just taking little little cracks off of it one at a time just keep you know keep building new projects and keep working on the problem and hopefully um you know start getting to the bottom of it but you know when you're whenever you do a project like this it takes time and unfortunately this problem has been building up for um for many years and we took a big hiccup you know for a couple of years now with what happened with covid and that is a hangover also from um, the 2008 um, recession that really kind of lasted for many years here. Like I would say that for really six or seven years, no building to speak of. And so we had this all this extra excess demand that really needed to be 
uh, addressed that just wasn't because of the, you know, because of the impact that that recession had on developers here. So on the positive side, I think the momentum is starting to turn and people are starting to build more stuff again, but it's going to take a while to catch up. But as someone, you know, on the city council, I'm going to keep pushing and trying to, uh, to, you know, get those new developments happening as quickly as we can to try to deal with this, you know, massive supply problem that we've got. All right. Well, looks like we got to take another break here on the Better Modesto show here on Power Talk 1360KFIV and on your iHeartRadio app. I'm your host, Chris Ricky. My co-host is Jim Applegate. I miss you, brother. Can't wait to have you back. And after the break, we're going to be talking a little more about the housing challenges that we have here in Modesto on the Better Modesto Show. Welcome back to the Better Modesto Show. I'm your host, Chris Ricky, here on Power Talk 1360 AMKFIV or on your trusty iHeartRadio app, anywhere you go. My co-host is Jim Applegate. Jim's not with us today, but he'll be back with us soon. Um, today we're talking about what's going on in City Modesto. I'm giving you a little update. Um, we're talking about things that we're really trying to make better here in Modesto. And one of those things that we've been working on a lot, I'm sure you've heard about it, but improve our law enforcement and just make it a, make it a, a better experience for everyone involved. And... One of the ways we can do that is that when you look at the calls that our police officers have to go on every day, they end up having to deal with um, home, homeless calls, uh, mental illness calls, all sorts of calls that basically we don't have anyone else to deal with. And it's just not a really great use in my opinion, of police resources. Um, when I think of what the police should be doing, I think of, I want them to stop violent crime. I want them to stop um, big property crimes. I want them to be out preventing crimes. That's, that's what I think they should be doing. But much of their day right now is spent just essentially trying to help homeless people, people that are mentally ill, people that shouldn't be on the streets at all. And that's really... A challenging position to put them in and we are not the only police department that struggles with this kind of situation and in Eugene Oregon um, they came up with a solution to that and what they essentially did was they came up with this thing called the cahoots program where they have uh, social workers and um, medical technicians working together to address um, homeless and uh, mental illness challenges in their community. And the way it works essentially is that when a call comes into 911, 911, when the operator recognizes that this is a call that could be dispatched to Cahoots, they simply send that call directly to Cahoots and it does not end up as a police call. And Cahoots responds and tries to deal with it the best they can. Now, there are situations um, that where Cahoots maybe can't deal with it. If it's a extremely violent or uh, risky situation. And in that case, 
they do call the police and say, hey, you know, the, we need your help on, on this issue. Um, and that's an example of how these teams work together. It's not about getting rid of the police or uh, working against the police. These are teams working together to try to solve community problems. And they've been very, very successful. And so, you know, of the, you know, 2,000 calls or 2,500 calls that Cahoots responded to in the first six months um, of the year, they had to, I think they had to call for backup and, you know, two or 300 of them. And that's, that's really saving, you know, the police department up in Eugene, Oregon, a ton of time and letting the police department focus on, on crimes that, you know, that they wouldn't have had time to focus on otherwise. And so it's a win-win for everybody. Um, on this show, we talked to Daniel Starr, the, the, um, president of the Modesto Police Officers Association. He thinks it's a great idea. Interim Chief Gillespie, he thinks it's a great idea. Um, Sheriff Dirksy also thinks it's it's a you know it's a good idea, and he's working on a similar program at the county. I'm excited about uh, about that idea coming, and I'm even more excited to hear that our local police department, Modesto Police Department, has already decided to kind of move forward with a similar program. We can't do exactly what Cahoots did, but we can do something that's going to be a Modesto styled program with their values and. They're working on it, and um, they've got kind of a pilot program that's working right now, and they're they're out there experimenting with it. And I'm I'm really excited about the initial results. It's looking really good, but got my fingers crossed that we can kind of keep pushing it along and um, and make it into what I think the program should do, which is address the ten thousand plus calls that we get uh, for homelessness and mental challenges that I'd rather have the police um, dealing with other problems as opposed to these things. So uh, it's a, I think it's a very encouraging situation that we find ourselves in with a lot of people from all of our community working together to try to make it happen. I think the second thing I want to talk about when you talk about um, how we're trying to adjust our police is the forward together initiative that the city is kind of Put forth. We've had our first uh, first meeting of it uh, this week. And the Forward Together initiative essentially is taking all the different ideas that people are making uh, to try to improve law enforcement locally, and kind of discussing it and trying to find solutions um, that make the community safer for everybody. And people ask, you know, why is this happening? Um, what, what's was there something wrong and the answer is actually really again fairly simple I mean we've had issues with police uh, throughout our whole country you know the George Floyd riots for example and that resulted in demonstrations including one here in Modesto that was one of the biggest demonstrations I've ever seen well definitely the biggest demonstration I've ever seen since I lived here um, people want to see some changing change in law enforcement. That's true here. Also, in um, in reaction to some police incidents that took place, you know, last year. And some of the things they're talking about, they're talking about the Cahoots program or Cahoots style program that we talked about earlier here on on this show um, this week. Also, talking about uh, potentially uh, 
police auditor or a civilian review board. And all these things do things that are slightly differently different. Like when you look at a police auditor, the idea is that this independent auditor could look at evidence and help the police department improve their operations, make it safer for officers and community members alike. Um, it's a you know potentially a really good um, potentially a really good option. And the civilian review board is about also having the ability to look at facts and and how incidents played out and discuss those and give feedback uh, to the department but from my perspective also both an independent auditor and a civilian review board the idea here is to build trust and faith from the community to the police department and from the police department to the and it's an example of all of us working together so that we know that our police officers are working, you know, and doing the very best they can. And the police know that their community is working and trying to support them the best they can. And I think that dovetails very well into the final challenge um, and there's lots of other challenges too, but the final challenge I want to talk to today when it comes to law enforcement, and that is simply staffing. And you'll hear, you know, throughout, well, it's probably as long as I'm on the council and long after I'm off, uh, you'll hear uh, complaints about our staffing levels and that our staffing levels now are two thirds of what they were, you know, 10 years ago, which is true. It's true. Um, but why is that? Why is that? Why are we unable to afford the levels of, you know, of public safety that we need? It's not just the police. It's also on the fire side. We have, we don't have the firefighters we need either. And the answer is that as the expenses for our police department have increased, the revenues that the city raises have not increased in correlation um, and the only way that you can deal with that is essentially um, lowering the number of officers that you have and that's what we've had to do over and over again but the knock-on effect is is catastrophic for our city so because we are having to cut officers we don't want to do that and so what ends up happening is we've had to cut other departments. And that's how we end up with problems like what happened um, with our trees, where we've cut, we had to cut budget to pay for police, uh, and we couldn't have the budget that we needed to, to take care of our trees. And so these are questions that we as a community have to find the answers to. Uh, we have to find more revenue um, by building new industries or by creating new uh, new fees to to find ways to you know to fund the public safety apparatus that our community deserves. Um, it's not a fun thing uh, to talk about. It's not a fun thing to try to deal with, but it's something that I see and have to deal with all the time. So. The ways that I'm trying to solve it right now is just trying to create new uh, tech-related 
um, opportunities for new companies to move to our neighborhood um, to create more revenue for our city. And that's that's probably been, you know, the biggest challenge that the city's had for many years is just we have been kind of caught in this bedroom community persona and we just haven't been able to find our way out of it. Well, we are working hard to try to change that. And you know, we talked to, um, from Phil from Bay Valley Tech, we need to do more stuff like that to kind of get Modesto to be, to be what it's capable of being to fulfill that potential. All right, well, that's all the time we got for this segment here of the Better Modesto Show here on Power Talk 1360 AMKFIV. I'm your host, Chris Ricky. My co-host is Jim Applegate. When we come back from the great from the break, we're going to do a quick rundown. It's going to be my my quick rundown of things we're working on here at City Hall coming in hot here on Power Talk 1360 AM. Welcome back to the Better Modesto Show here on Power Talk 1360 AM KFIV. Also on your iHeartRadio app. I'm your host, Chris Rickey. I'm also a city council person here at City of Modesto. My co-host is Jim Applegate. Jim can't be with us today. But today we are talking about what's going on Modesto, what we've done, what we're going to do. Normally do guests, but I thought like, hey, let's do something a little different uh, this week. So let's talk a little bit about what we have done so far. So some of the things we've done is that during COVID, we were able to lower app fees. So like DoorDash couldn't like uh, charge a restaurant 30% of the, their order and just keep all that money. We, wanted, we were able to lower that to 15 during COVID and help a bunch of people. We were able to work with Stan State and set up an internship program that was really helpful in a lot of projects we were working here on the city. I'm looking forward to duplicating that again in the future um, with them coming up with new classes. Um, we were able to pass the Cannabis Equity Grant. That's going to mean probably about $2 million in training funds to help our industry grow um, in cannabis, not just retail stuff, Definitely not retail, but more like on the cultivation end and that kind of thing. It's really exciting. Going to build some good paying jobs. Um, we were also able to fund the RAD card um, with some of the ARPA money that we got from the federal government. Um, that's the Relief Across Downtown Fund, um, helping businesses, not only downtown in this case, but throughout Modesto, um, come back post-COVID. Um, we're also able to increase our forestry funding this year by almost $2 million. Um, that's going to make a big impact, you know, right away. It's going to make our community significantly better as we're able to remove trees, remove stumps, remove mistletoe, and plant some new trees in their places. It's really great. We also um, are on track to add dash cams to all of our police, um, police vehicles. It's going to be very helpful and give us much better insights. The body cams have been amazing, but sometimes, you know, when an officer's um, driving a car, for example, with the body cams on, all you can see is the steering wheel, and that makes it really hard to kind of know what's going on. It's not good for the uh, police, and it's not good. Um, it's not good for anybody else either. So, um, we also were able to get 
um, nearly $3 million in grant funding um, for the Tuolumne River Trail, and that's going to include some, you know, some additional trails and some, you know, making the trails nicer and easier to ride bikes and enjoy um, for families in Modesto, but also a boat ramp so people can kind of do a hand, like, launch, like, canoes and kayaks and that kind of thing um, over um, in the Tuolumne River neighborhood in that park. Um, I also want to talk about what we're going to be doing. One of the big projects that I'm working on right now is trying to improve kind of the image and the public relations of Modesto. And if you look at Modesto right now, we, we're kind of in this PR desert. Um, we've got television stations that are backed and that are kind of based in Sacramento that uh, focus all their news mostly on Sacramento, a little bit on Stockton, and then they'll come down to Modesto um, when something really terrible happens. And they used to have local bureaus down here in Modesto. And if you look across the country, most cities of our size have their own television stations. But for whatever reason, Modesto doesn't, and so we kind of don't get a lot of coverage. And when we do, it's usually the worst kind. Um, so we're dealing with that. We're dealing with a newspaper, the Modesto Bee. I don't disparage the Modesto Bee. I don't have any problem with the Modesto Bee. I think it's a, there's a lot of really great people that work there, and they do the very best they can. But you can't deny the fact that the paper just keeps getting smaller every day. They don't even publish on Saturday. Um, they're suffering, and they're not able to put out the um, the, the same level of stories and the same volume of stories they were before based on the budget cuts from their corporate. I was, I can think of a couple really big stories that they just weren't able to cover, you know, as quickly as they used to. And that's, it's really frustrating when you add that in to the fact that, um, the city, we have, we have really failed to develop our our media outreach, our social media channels as well as we should, um, our public access capabilities. Uh, we have a hard time kind of breaking out and deciding who we are, what we're doing, and getting the messages out to the community so that we can have a good dialogue, so that we can talk about what's great about our community, what we need to improve in our community. And So these are things that we're working on, and we're making incremental changes, and I think it's getting slightly better as we keep going. Um, but we still have a lot of work to do and a lot of way, long way to go. And part of that, we were talking a little bit about, you know, our public access station. Like, why is a public access station, you know, important? Nobody, nobody's going to watch that, you know. And I understand that argument. But a public access station not only puts out content that's going to go on your, you know, public access cable station, but it also is a, it's a, resource for members of the community to create visual content that's not only something that you could put on a cable station but in 2021 it's something that you could put on Facebook or on LinkedIn or on Twitter or on Instagram or Nextdoor or a hundred other different um, you know media platforms it would be helpful if we had that and the good news is that we do have um, we do have funds available to kind of to give that a good kickstart that's funds that we get as a just as a fee from the cable stations that has been written into the in the state law 
So we do have some opportunities there. Um, one of the things I meant to talk about when we're talking about um, increasing housing supply was ADUs or accessory dwelling units or uh, granny, kind of granny flats is what people call it, places like mother-in-law quarters. Um, this is another way that we're trying to increase housing inventory in Modesto. And again, we've talked previously in the previous segment about how incredibly challenging this problem is. And the good news is that the city of Modesto, the county, Modesto City Schools, we're, and the new um, Community Development Corporation, we're all working together to try to make ADUs a more important part of our, um, of our housing solution plan. And so what the city, the county, and the schools are doing, first of all, the first thing they're doing together is they're trying to um, come up with either reduced fees or um, or no or no fees on certain types of ADUs to try to um, to try to increase um, people building ADUs in our in our community. Another thing Modesto City Schools is doing is they're actually going to build teach their teach their students how to build ADUs, which is really really cool. When they came to me and said like hey we're going to be doing this i was just i was blown away and so excited and it's amazing um and finally <clears throat> the work that our community development corporation is doing trying to find methods for um for funding the production of adus um, is going to make it so much easier for the average homeowner to to actually afford to build one of these so Lots of good stuff going on with ADUs. Will ADUs by themselves solve our housing inventory problem? Absolutely not. But it just takes another bite out of the apple, and that's what we have to keep doing. It's just you know, taking bites out of the apple until we finally get over the hill. And I, have, I have a lot of faith that that's what we're going to be able to do. Um, another thing I'm very excited about, um, we talked a little bit about it previously, but is the it's the app competition. And this is something I've talked about a lot, but... What the app competition is, it's the national app competition, and it's something that our federal government runs throughout the country, and it's it's a competition between high school students to uh, to create the best app they can for a mobile phone or a computer, and they take all the winners from the different districts um, of the country, and they send them to Washington, D.C., where they all get together all these kids and they commiserate and it's just a very inspiring um, really really good program to encourage kids to get involved in technology and I'm very excited to say that City of Modesto is sponsoring this and we're going to be working you know with the schools and with um, with our partners in the community to try to encourage kids to sign up so it's a really um, a really awesome thing we're doing um, we also um, have been talking about expanding opportunities for community gardens. And community gardens are a great thing for people um, to do and to grow food and to, te you know, be more self-sufficient. It's just, and it's just a really, it's a fun thing to do as a family. So we're working on opportunities um, to make that happen. And I think we're going to see more community gardens in Modesto in the next few years. We're making some really good progress. So excited about that. Um, one of the things that I want to see um, is I want to bring back our, uh, our our graffiti parade that we used to have. I know that the 
Kiwana's do one that's awesome, but I want one that, you know, you or I could just like pull up in our car and go cruising with everybody else, just like they did in the good old days. It would be absolutely fantastic. So I'm looking forward to that. We need a new roller rink. Roller King was great. It was such a good thing for our community. Um, we need to bring back a roller rink. We've got this group of people that are so inspiring that are just skating every day, I mean, every Sunday in parks because they love it. It's just such a great thing. Um, we need to find some ways to support them. I could keep going. I could keep, I've got so much stuff we're trying to do um, in our community right now, but I am completely out of time here on the Better Modesto Show. So thanks so much for listening today. Um, I'm your host, Chris Rickey, here on Power Talk 1360 AM KFIV, also on the iHeartRadio app. My co-host is Jim Applegate. This would have been a much easier conversation if you were here, man. So looking forward to having you back soon. Um, but we'll see you next week here on the Veteran Esther Show. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.